unidentified vessel. Please submit your clearance codes. This is Justin Force will be with you. This is Josh. Always. Always. This is Kyle. And we are the Outer Rim Beacon. What's up, everybody? You have now tuned in to the Outer Rim Beacon, your frequency for everything in that galaxy far, far away. Uh, we got a lot to cover here. We got Mando to cover. My name is Justin. I'm one of the hosts of the show. Joining me today, as always, is one of my co-hosts. This is Josh. Oh, my God. Bo-Katan. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the most we've had Bo-Katan talk, right? Yeah. To this point, is this like the most dialogue we've gotten from, I mean, outside of Clone it's Wars, right? quite possible, plus the just the the mastery of the Darksaber. Oh, I'm like, who does, this Din, who does this Din Fu think he is? Look at her swinging that oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> We have a lot to cover, but I love how as soon as he lit it up, all of a sudden it like droops and sags to the floor yep. and she lights it up and just whoop, like she's ready to go. Um, and I do have some interesting questions uh, at the end of this thing, because um, this is an episode that is kind of steeped in mysticism uh, of what is Mandalore? What is the creed? What is the living waters? What is there's a lot of stuff in this episode and really um most of it occurred in the last i don't want to say three last quarter of it but yeah essentially it was that last quarter when bo goes to save din um you know it's uh we get a return to let's start at the beginning we get a return to tatooine Dun, da, 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 da. Man, I, I gotta tell you, I was so like, I just, we pulled up the Tatooine and I was like, oh my God, already? And then I, I, I like that it was just a little quick thing because, man, woof. <laughs> you, you were not excited to go back to Tatooine, were you? I'm just like, come Wait. on, guys. And it's crazy. We literally just talked about this at the end of last week's show about. Not wanting to go back to Tatooine, yeah. and, and uh, I have to say, Mando for a guy who is like really pushing bounties, trying to get credits, you know, in season one. Apparently, money's just fallen off trees for him now because he can afford the fuel to go from Ma- like clear to Mandalore, and then back to Tatooine, and then back to Mandalore again. Even though he was right there at Mandalore and went, oh, I need a droid to test the air. Well, if your helmet seals, what did you really need to test the air for? Just seal your helmet up and go. But I, I don't know. Well, he's not going to take it off. Yeah, you're not supposed to take it off. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's good for him to know, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and he needed his little buddy. He needed Grogu. Um, he didn't want to leave him in the ship by himself. I, I don't blame him. So you should never leave a. You should never leave a, a baby Yoda in a hot, hot um, yeah. Naboo starfighter. That's a terrible, terrible thing to do. Um, but yeah, this was this was a long episode. It was close to forty minutes uh, in runtime. Um, we get the return trip to 
to Tatooine. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm happy to see Pelimato. And I, I will say this. When Pelimato first came on, I was definitely not not on board with the character. But kind of over the course of time, I've enjoyed that character more. And I find the humor and the lines that she's given um, poignant and serve a great purpose at, at, at times. Um, I love the fact that she's missing her tooth. Uh, can't wait the for Book the one Boba Fett. Oh, did that did that happen in Book of Boba Fett? What happened? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, she remember something blew up. Oh yeah, and she, and she spit saved, her tooth out. That's right. And she spit her tooth out, and she goes, "I think I lost my tooth or something like like." <laughs> she was saving the Twi'lek, the mayor's uh, major domo. Yeah, and she spit her tooth out. And so far, when we see her, as 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 Mando's landing, and she's looking up, you see this big gap. <laughs> in the side of her front teeth of her tooth missing. So um, I love that little, uh, that I don't know what you want to call it, continuity uh, thing there that she's missing her tooth from Book of Boba Fett. Um, and she even asks him, you know, when he lands, are the twins back? Are you taking on Boba Fett? And he was like, or because he said, I'm here on business. She said, are the twins back? Are you taking on Boba Fett? He was like, no, I don't don't want to take on Boba Fett. No, I'm good. Um, but yeah, it's Boon to Eve, right? We got some racing going on. We got thievery from Jawas everywhere, running rampant in the streets during Boon to Eve. Um, yeah, I love that little scam. Yeah. <laughs> Dude shows up with his car like, I'm missing a wheel or I'm missing a propulsion engine. Oh, well, I can get you parts and order a new one and I'll have it back together in a month. I'll put a rush order on it. All right, fine. She, he pays him, goes away. Here come the Jawas with the parts right away. Um, nice little scam going on there. Um, I do like some of the, like I said, some of the little one-liners and the quips that Peli says are great. Um, leap like a Lerman. Yeah. Um, when when Grogu jumps out, we first see Lermans in the Clone Wars in Jedi Crash and Defenders of the Peace. Um, Ahsoka and... Uh, who was it? It was Ahsoka and Anakin and um, there was a third one with them. I can't remember who it was. Um, but Anakin's hurt pretty bad. And um, and uh, he's basically trying to heal and the Lermans are trying to take care of him. But the the sage is trying to kick him out because he doesn't want the war there. And he, they're like, well, the oh, separatists yeah. are going to come anyway. Yeah, they, they're they're going like to show up anyway. Egg houses. Yes. Yeah. The little ba- uh straw house pods out in the middle of the field or whatever. And, um, they want nothing to do with the Jedi. So, um, it wasn't Luminara. It was, um, it wasn't Shakti, uh, Ayla. It was Ayla with them. That was the third one. Sorry. I had to, I had to take a different route to get there, but yes, Ayla was, I believe the third one that was with them. Um, but anyway, so we first learned about Lerman's in the clone wars. We get a nod to him here. Uh, I love that Pelly at some point to Mando says no chance cubes, yeah. which is the equivalent to saying no dice, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, there's not a chance. And just some of those lines that she says are, are pretty entertaining and how they write her character are great. But um, yeah, Cara, Cara Dune called her, her blaster a gun. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some of the writing is uh, interesting. Well, that's what I said in the the first one with grief. I didn't think the writing was weird i thought some of the line delivery was a little off but maybe that was just me i don't know um if anybody else feels that way feel free message me and tell me i'm wrong or 
I'm right, whatever you want to do. Um, but then again, we get here's where Pelly kind of drops a nod to R5 because he's looking for an astromech. It says, Hey, you could buy this droid. He works great. He's fine. I'll give him an oil bath. I'll give you all this free stuff. I'll put your droid pod back in. I'll get you all the free stuff you want. Um, but he served in the rebellion. R5 served in the rebellion. And in a roundabout way, from a certain point of view, he did serve in the rebellion. Um, I don't know if somebody even. I don't think Pelly knows that. Career, I think Pelly's talk, talking big game to uh, get him to get him to do it, you know? To get him well, to I, agree. Well, I'm going to guess because she under she can. I, I don't know what language they speak, but she clearly understands droids. She can speak their language. I'm going to assume R5 told her the story, the same story that was in a certain point of view. Like, hey, I helped out this R2D2 guy who is who has gone on to help all these other people. He was looking for Luke Skywalker. You know, Luke, the or, he was looking for Obi Wan Kenobi. Sorry, he was looking for Obi Wan Kenobi. I helped him get picked up by Luke Skywalker, who eventually brought him to Obi Wan Kenobi. So I, I assumed R5's like telling this tall tale, right? Even though he's never really been an astromech, clearly, because he didn't want to get on the ship and he's scared to death. And he's just telling this tall tale, like, oh, yeah, I was in the rebellion, blah, blah, blah. And Pelly's buying it, like, yeah, this, this droid's great, you know. Um, but at the end, I think after she sells him on the deal, she basically says, I wouldn't rely on this one. His circuitry is a little fragile. And Mando says, I thought you said he was built for adventurous. She's like already slamming the cockpit shut. <laughs> um, like, yeah, you bought a lemon. Good luck. <laughs> I, I'm um, not going to lie. I don't love that. Like, I loved that R5 was like they decided to put R5 back in. Oh, look, he's still in Tatooine and um after what happened back in the 70s and uh you know, he was at the bar and then it, I was even okay with him being at Pelly's shop, but like now having it be Mando's droid just seems like well, we don't need to make the universe so small, you know. Mhm. Yeah. Um do you think he's maybe just a placeholder until he finds the memory chip for IG? And then yeah, something maybe. will happen to R5? Yeah. Okay. Which I... All right. So here's a dumb question. He was trying to get IG to work, right? Where were you going to put IG in that ship? He ain't going to fit in that droid pod. He's not a... You know, he's an ideas guy, Mando, you know? <laughs> or is it going to be like... You see like IG's shoulders and head at the top and just his legs are sticking down in the bottom of the tail wing? Because he's so tall compared to an astromech. Yeah. Like his little legs would be, he goes in for a landing, like his little legs are like running. Like what is, what is he going to do on this ship to fit in this droid pod? But um, yeah, so really we get, we get back to, um, you know, she cleans him up. She gets the ship squared away, sends him on his way. He returns to Mandalore. um, And we do get um, a little bit of, a conversation between Mando and Grogu um, about Mandalore on the ship when they first arrive. It looks scary, I know. But it was once green and beautiful back when the songs were written. It's Mandalore, the homeworld of our people. Every Mandalorian can trace their roots back to this planet and the Beskar mines deep within. And you know what? I've never been there either. 
I grew up there, on that moon, Concordia. And that's Kalevala, where we visited Bo-Katan. It's in the same system. A Mandalorian has to understand maps and know their way around. That way, you'll never be lost. Oh, love this part. And all I see is like, even with the helmet on, all I see is Pedro Pascal there and like his dad pants <laughs> and his like <laughs> some of the stuff that he's been wearing to the awards. I absolutely love because it looks like super comfortable. And I'm like, dude, if I was a dad, like as a dad, like I would love to wear that if I'm just going out somewhere. I am not fashionable enough to wear that or pull that off, but it looks super comfortable. And all I can see is like Pedro Pascal having these little dad moments um, with Grogu. Um I love that he's. I love that he's like t- trying to teach him stuff, and we're getting to see that. And I, you know, I kind of asked myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, we don't really have a good barometer for like how well does direct communication with Grogu like how much of that is it, is he understanding and absorbing? You know, um, and obviously we kind of got the answer to that later mm-hmm. in the episode, which was really cool. Hmm. Uh, I think even Bo says it later on in the episode. She's like, oh, well, I, what did she say? He's a good, he's a good navigator. Yeah. Right. Um, And I think she assumed it was due to his Jedi powers. And I think it's just because, I think it's more so because Mando's teaching him like, hey. Well, no, he literally pointed at the, he pointed at like the screen when he got in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because Mando said in that planet over there, that's where we went and saw Bo-Katan. So yep. like, he knew what he needed to do. Yeah. And, and I think, and it's because he's teaching him though. Yeah. It's not because of his Jedi powers. Oh well, yeah. No, do- no. Of but course. I think Bo I, is, I was just saying Bo's under that impression, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was just saying that I, up to this point, we don't really know how much he's able to comprehend and follow along, you know, cause mm-hmm. Most of the he's still young. Most of the interaction we get is like, no, don't do that. Oh, take that frog out of your mouth. You know, don't squeeze the don't squeeze Babu Frick's cousin. Bad baby, no squeeze, right. no squeeze, no squeeze, no squeeze. Um, droid brokey, broken, it brokey. Um, yeah, it it was, but this is I, I this floors me. This whole episode was. Absolutely amazing for character development for Din Djarin and character development for Bo-Katan because you get two different um, points of view of Mandalore. Um, and even though they're like, they're different, like, I don't know what you call it, sex or whatever you want to call them of Mandalorians. Here is a guy who has never been to this planet. He has never set foot on Mandalore. Yeah. But believes the creed, believes in their people, believes in all of these things that are Mandalorian, right? And he's been told nothing but stories, grew up on Concordia, um but never actually set foot on the planet, never saw the cities, never saw the height of that civilization. And you have Bo-Katan who lived there is part of the royal family was a ruler there saw it at its peak saw the destruction of it and right now wants absolutely nothing to do with it 
and she's upset that they're like constantly fighting and things like that. And she, but like, here's a, an individual in front of you who is the epitome, the epitome of Mandalorian yeah. and you can't see it. Like he's buying, he's drinking the Kool-Aid he's bought in and <laughs> he believes it more than she does. Um, and it's amazing that she is able to wield the dark saber as a leader, as good as she does. And Mando can't even pick the thing up. Yeah. So it's like, where, what is going on here? And I've got a question for that later on for you, but, um, yeah. So anyway, so they, um, so he gets to the planet. R five goes to check the air. He gets jacked by some creatures, but never comes back. So Mando locks his helmet, gets out of the cockpit. Um, Grogu goes in his little pram, like he's secured in there or his little spot in the ship. He's secured in there. Um, Din goes to look for him. He gets jumped by what we later learn are uh, a species called an alien species called Alamites um, that once used to live on the surface of the planet in the wastelands from what Bo-Katan said. Um, but now clearly they are surviving underground. They're maybe because they, they can't there. I mean, there's nothing left of the surface, right? There's no garbage. There's no waste anymore. There's nothing for them to feed off of, so they've moved underground for some reason. Um, but we learn later that they are called Alamites. Um, he gets jumped by the Alamites, tries to fight him with the Darksaber. It kind of works. He fends him off. Um, and then um, he finds R5. They go back. They test the air. Says it's breathable. Bo-Katan was right. The planet is not cursed. Um, so Grogu gets out in his little pram and they go off to find the living waters, right? Um, what did you think once they got down to kind of the caves and kind of started exploring down there? What were the vibes that you were getting? I want to see if you got the same thing I did. Like, uh, just, well, I was just waiting for something to jump out, you know, cause mm-hmm. they, it just, horror movie vibes. Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, um, although I will say what eventually ended up jumping out was not what I expected. No. It was very cool. Yeah. Um, did we, we didn't get a name or any kind of identification for what that thing was, right? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I am going to check. Cause I feel like if that was something that Bo-Katan knew of, she would have said what it was. Right, because we got oh, those are Alamites earlier, and she's kind of identifying things as, as she goes along for Grogu, but we never got a, we never found out what that creepy thing was. Um, but yeah, I I got the same thing, Josh. I got very much horror movie vibes, even with the little rep, reptile crocodiles that were just sitting in the sewage drains, kind of eyeballing Grogu as a snack as he's floating by. Um, you know, we didn't even know that they had wings until, you know, Grogu's trying to race back to the ship and one of them gets out and like flies after him. Um, but no, whatever that alien thing was in this episode was bonkers. I mean, it was creepy cool. It was biological and mechanical at the same time. Um, it had like one floating eye in a jar. It was almost like a Dianoga, like, 
some kind of cybernetic Dianoga experiment gone wrong. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was so cool. And then like, you know, uh, Grogu goes to Bo, uh, to get her, um, basically says, Hey, um, I need your help. Mando's been captured by this thing. Um, well, no, no, I think, I well, well, he just pulled up and she was like, get like the droid came in and said, Oh, you know, Din's back or whatever, you know, and she came yeah. out there like ready to be like, listen here, mother effer. And, uh, and then it was Grogu and she's like, Oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't normally see this kid without his dad. Um, yeah. She even says, let's get rid of, let's get rid of him once and for all. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't get the I didn't get the indication that she was like going out there to like fight him or anything like that. I think it was just going to tell him off. Yeah, and she basically walked up like I thought. I thought I told you I want to be left alone, and that's when I want to sulk on my throne alone. <laughs> Man, I had my comfy sweats on. I had a a quart of Hagen Dazs in there. I was ready to go. Hey, leave me alone! You interrupted my brooding time. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, uh, but yeah, when she realizes Din is not there, it's, um, it's, it's like, okay, crap. And then the droid downloads coordinates from R5, puts it in the gauntlet. I love that we got to see more of the gauntlet in this. It is a massive ship. We talked about that last week. Um, I don't think most people realize that. Uh, I forget what they called the other ones, the smaller ones. We talked, we, you answered that question last week. So somebody really Fang needs fighters. to go back. Fang fighters, fang thank you. Fang fighters. The gauntlet is a bigger version of a fang fighter, um, where you know the wings rotate around it, it lifts up and down. Um, but it is a massive, massive ship, and you do see that when they actually land on the surface of the planet, and she's walking down the ramp out of the back of it. You can see just how large it actually is. It is Falcon-sized scale ship. It's that big. Um, but yeah, it. Um, you know, she's walking down in the caves with uh, Grogu. She's kind of like dropping little. She's she's very one liner in the beginning with him, and then as she gets down in the caves, she kind of opens up a little bit more. Like in the plane, you know, as, or in the gauntlet as they're flying in, she says, "It didn't always it didn't always look like this," um, and that was really all she says to him. Um, you know, and then uh, as they get down and they're kind of walking, she's talking about. Jedi, um, which I loved this conversation because she's talking about Grogu and the Jedi. I knew quite a few Jedi, you know. I don't know what they taught you about us, but there was a time we actually got along quite well. Fought side by side. My sister banged a Jedi. How good are you with the Force? You must be quite good at it if you got back to me all alone. See, and that's what I, I think... Yeah, Bo's like, oh, he used the fort. No, Mando taught him, hey, here's where we met Bo-Katan. Go there. <laughs> um, and he does say, like, when we get to the surface of this planet, we have no communications. So the only way that we can get a hold of somebody is to leave this planet again. Yeah. And he had the intelligence enough to get back in the ship, go back to Bo, and get help. Uh, after well, granted, him, so even so. if he could get on the comm, was he going to be like, goo goo gaga? <laughs> who is this um, what's your operating number <laughs> how did you get this number um which the the little coos and grunts 
uh, from Grogu in this episode were fantastic. I thought he was adorable. Um, He's so much more expressive. You could tell that the, I feel like you can tell that the, uh, the puppet has evolved. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we get, um, so that we get down there, um, as they're walking through this cave, they come across the creature, um, Bo-Katan starts to fight it, was about to lose, and then she sees the Darksaber laying there, uses her grappling hook, pulls it over, and then basically cuts whatever that thing is down to size pretty quick. Um, it, like, detaches its head, crawls away to the, whatever that big machine was it was in in the beginning um, to catch Mando, and then uh, she disposes of that, like, cuts it down to size again. Um Clearly knows how to work, wield the dark saber. She had her little hollow shield on her arm. That was dope. Yeah. Um, the live action fight scenes with Bo-Katan though were so good. I mean, I love the Clone Wars stuff, but the live action fight scene with Bo-Katan was so good. Um, she, you know, rescues Din. They get him back up to that ledge that they were on at the, at the beginning. Um, as Mando's passed out and she's, you know, got a fire going trying to wait for him to come back uh come back awake and uh, i won't play that conversation but they're talking she's making them soup pog soup is what she called it and um you know she hands him the cup and he says well what's this and she's like you've never had pog soup like it's a common thing on mandalore like she says any any mandalorian worth their salt has had pog soup we grew up on it from the time that we were the size of him. And she's, you know, alluding to Grogu basically since they were toddlers, they've been having pog soup. And again, here's somebody who has been on Mandalore, knows Mandalore, uh, loved Mandalore at the height. And then here's this other guy who goes, all I have are stories, but I'm fully sold on it. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing that they can't, connect at this point so you know what it made me think of i was like <clears throat> it's like if we established you know like a, a lunar colony in the distant future <clears throat> and someone's like oh you're american you've never had a cheeseburger yes yeah like, or you've never had a hot dog <laughs> yeah yeah it, that's essentially <clears throat> excuse me that's the equivalent of that yes you're right um you know, and he Mando at this point is still. I gotta finish my mission, right? I gotta, I gotta carry, I gotta see it through. Well, I gotta so get to close the living waters. Point. Yeah, he's there. He's like, I gotta finish it. Like you can go. Which he's, he's like, no, I'm not getting on your ship, or I'm not going back with you. I'm like, well, how are you getting off this planet if you don't? Because your ship is not here right now. Well, I guess we don't. No, yeah, because Grogu was on her ship, so your ship is not here right now. I don't know how you're expecting to get home. Unless you go back on the gauntlet. Yeah. Right? So, um, and Mando, to be fair, Mando didn't know that at that point. So, I'm, maybe he just assumed. But he was kind of like a little bit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but he says, nope, I got to get to the living waters. She's like, look, fine. I'll take you. You're not going to find them anyway. I know exactly where they're at. You know, let's go. She's like. And he says, well, thank you. And she's like, well, don't be so excited. Wait till you see it. <laughs> it's yeah. not that impressive. <laughs> so um, 
but the latter this back half of this episode this this last what maybe 15 minutes or so 10 15 minutes of this episode are phenomenal when talking about the history of mandalore the history of house crees um and the living waters and of course the big reveal at the end in the living waters. But uh, this was the first conversation that Mando and Bo have at, while they're walking um, in the city. It's hard to believe that this all was once filled with our kind. It wasn't that long ago. You'd never know it looking at all this destruction. It looks like it's been centuries. The Empire set out to punish us, to wipe away our memory. It must pain you to see it like this after witnessing its beauty. What pains me is seeing our own kind fight one another time and time again. Killing each other for reasons too confusing to explain. It made us weak. We had no hope to resist being smashed by the fist of the Empire. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were so broken they had no resistance. I love that moment where she says that her dad died fighting in the war. Or whatever she said, and he like gets choked up and says, "This is the way." Like, mm-hmm. like pays a little tribute. I was like, "That's cool." Yep, um, that's actually in the second part of the conversation here when they're when they're talking about him. But um, I love that she said, uh, "What is she?" The fist of the empire. I love that nod right there because you know that you know she's talking about you know she's talking about the five hundred first coming through there and just wrecking uh, wrecking Mandalore. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 they made it, they made, you know, just a few years of destruction seem like centuries, which is, imp- I mean, it's impressive. It's sad, but it's impressive uh, that the war machine for the Empire was so big at that point that they were able to decimate Mandalore that bad, that fast. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. When uh, they get a little bit further down into the caves, you get um, this conversation with Mando and Bo about her father. This area looks much older. The mines have been here for thousands of years. The living waters are in the chambers below. Have you been there? Yes, when I was a child. Really? I was part of the royal family. I took the creed and was showered with gifts. But the rituals were all just theater for our subjects. They loved watching the princess recite the Mandalorian tenants as her father looked on proudly. Such a heartwarming spectacle. Maybe he was proud. I know he was. I didn't embarrass him in front of everyone. Your father sounds like an interesting man. I would have liked to have known him. He was a great man. He died defending Mandalore. And again, the music notes, the tone. This is the way. Oh, but his, you can hear it in his voice. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's choked, choked up. up. He's like, this is the way. He just, he feels for her and everything that she's gone through. He feels for his people and all of Mandalore. And again, a guy who has never set foot on this planet feels this much for the history of this planet and this people. It is amazing. Well, and you know, one thing that's nice to notice about him too is that while he's not turning his back on the old, like his old ways, as far as like, 
you know, the the more the children of the watch, he doesn't interact with her as if he thinks that she's like he he's not denying her Mandalorianness. You know, he right. says filled with our kind, you know, all you know, everything about their interact like nothing about their interactions. He's not treating her the way that the armorer's treating him or the armorer would have treated her. He's like, yeah, we're let's let's bring everybody exactly together, right. you know. Like Exactly right. Yep. Um yeah, cuz the armorer definitely looks at it like, mm, well, no, it's your fault that all this happened because you wielded the dark saber without earning it in combat and there's bad juju on it and you brought the downfall to Mandalore which is not the case that's I don't think that had anything to do with Bo-Katan and the dark saber it just that was going to happen per the emperor's will anyway yeah didn't wouldn't have mattered if Bo was in charge or if Sabine Wren had maintained the dark saber and said no you know what I'm going to continue to lead the Mandalorians in this fight and not hand it over to Bo what happened was going to happen. I mean, anyway. but she also didn't win in combat. Right. Right. So. so, I mean, if you really buy into the bad juju stuff, then yes, armor is kind of right. If you don't believe in the bad juju stuff, destiny was destiny, right? Yeah. Uh, what is, what does Thanos say? I am inevitable. Emperor's probably thinking the same thing. Like this was going to happen to Mandalore one way or another, because we couldn't let your people, be out there when I'm trying to come into power because you're a threat. You're a viable threat to my leadership in this galaxy. And he was going to do it anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's unreal to see like the, <laughs> the din who believes this stuff and has never been on this, this planet. And then, uh, you know, they finally get to this. <laughs> this was the best part. I, I loved this part of the episode when they finally get to this, um, the living waters, right, in the minds of Mandalore. And there's these steps that kind of lead down into it. And Bo kind of pauses for a minute. She's like, hold on, hold on. I want to I give you the full rundown. Because this is, to me, it seemed like this was just a field trip for her when she was, like, growing up. Like, in school, they would go down to the mines of Mandalore and be like, oh, yeah, look, kids, it's the water. Here's the plaque. Or, like, when you go to a zoo and you read the plaque about the bears, Right. The brown bear can hibernate for blah, blah, blah. And she reads this like that's what it was to her. And I hold on a sec here. Let me play this. Hold on. I want you to get the full tour. She's even kind of smiling about it. These mines date back to the age of the first Mandalore. According to ancient folklore, the mines were once a mythosaur lair. Mandalore the Great is said to have tamed the mythical beast. It is from these legends that the Skull Signet was adopted and became the symbol of our planet. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Like, that's it. Like, it sounded like that's where they used to go on field trips in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and she is not, she doesn't believe it. She's not buying into it. She's like, I haven't seen a mythosaur ever, right? If in all my existence on this planet, you'd think yeah. you would have seen something by now. Um, but yeah, so, all right. Rule number one, when you go into a cave of water that you don't know, don't like go wandering too far from the stairs. And number two, don't forget your jet pack because Mando's heavy ass armor 
basically he took a wrong step and tumbled down a giant hole um, and about drowned himself. So bring a flotation device or your jetpack and don't wade out too far into unknown waters. Did you feel like he fell or he or that he was pulled? I feel like he fell. I think he just stepped and the weight of the armor, like it's like falling down a hill, but in water. Um, because to be honest, based on this, like if something pulled him, you would think it's like a tentacle or something small that would get his leg and just kind of like pull him under. But as they were coming back up, right. And we see the size of the mythosaur, like moving its body under there. And like, like its claws would have have to, like he would have like grabbed his leg, like, and just pinched it and pulled it down based on the size of the mythosaur. So I think he just stepped off and didn't realize like there was just a giant cliff there, because if that was truly a cave of the mythosaur, it makes sense that the underneath that water is a giant hole, right? Not like a pool. It's not like a pool or anything that you wade into. It's like a quarry essentially. Right. So he stepped off too far. The weight of his armor just dropped him under and he fell before, I mean, a considerable amount before he finally hit bottom. Um, and kudos to Bo for not even hesitating to jump in with the jetpack, uh, throw the helmet on and jump in with the jetpack and dive under there. And I love the fact that she's using the helmet for most of it and then gets down to the bottom and then turns the light off on her helmet so that she can see Mando's light. Yeah. Because like as she was looking like she couldn't see anything with her light. So she turned it off so that she could see his light and kind of follow down, found him. And you could tell it was heavy to pick him up when she first tried to get him, like had to like reposition up under and then hit the jet pack to go back up. Um, And then obviously as they're coming up, the reveal of a a live mythosaur in the water. That was unreal. I was not expecting that at all. Like I, I thought he fell down and I was like, Oh, or to your point, something pulled him down with tentacles or something was actually living there, but not anything of that scale. That thing was huge. I mean, that had to have been bigger than the, the, uh, beast that Boba Fett rode in the holiday special, right? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) There is always a bigger fish though. Uh, what did what did you think, Josh? Did you think he got pulled under, or do you think he just fell? I think, I mean, just because it's Star Wars, I thought I thought he got pulled, but no, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. Like, and once once like the mythosaur was there, but he like wasn't really necessarily like anywhere near it. I was like, okay, maybe he did just fall, but mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really think about it that far. I just was like, oh yeah, it's Star Wars. Something grabbed him and pulled him like the trash compactor, you know. Right, right. The Dianoga, yeah. like wrapping its tentacle around Luke. I, I, yeah, think, I could see it that way. I think he shook her though a little bit. I think he, like, when he's, she's trying to like poke fun at this, and he's like taking off his gear and saying the creed, and it's really serious. And it, like, I think that shook her, and she's like, um, like maybe, maybe this does mean more than I think it does. And obviously, now mm. finding the the mythosaur down there it's like oh crap this does actually mean something like that's you know yeah i agree i'm really interested to see what she's got to say this week Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I um, oh, dude, I'm so excited for Wednesday already. Yeah, because I'm like, you having a, a big reveal like that at the end of just the second episode. And this is a great thing about Mandalorian is we get stuff like this well, all season. Well, you, you have to because there's only eight episodes. I know, I know. Um, they give us a filler episode on this. I'm going to be real pissed off. <laughs> Do not waste you, my you, time with the filler episode. <laughs> you don't want a side quest in this no. one that. Sid calls up Mando. Hey, Mando, I need you to go pick up this this booty for me. Like, it's worth a lot of money. No, it's not going to happen. Um, we get these reveals all the time in this in this show, which is why it makes it so fun to watch. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like, there's some episodes that we like better than others. Um, but I don't feel like any single one of them is is deviating from the main storyline. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, in, in book of Boba Fett, when we see like the whole two arc Mando thing, that's a little different and a little odd, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm like how they tie things together is just crazy, but yeah, uh, that reveal was impressive and that thing is huge, absolutely huge. Um, I don't know where we're going to go from here with that. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you feel... Do you feel like Bo is going to go with Mando back to the armorer to testify as a witness to Din's bathing in the waters? Because there's there's got to be some evidence that he did it, right? Is he going to scoop up water in his helmet and take it back with him? Or do we think like Bo goes with him to say, yes, he did? Um, also, if she does go back with him, do you think that she reveals to the armor or maybe to din what she saw in the water um and do we think din saw it or do we think he was passed out mm, yeah you know what i don't know that he did see it i don't know I, I i definitely think that they are still palling around for a bit after this so i i would see uh you know and i feel like with all the trash that she talked i i definitely want to see Bo-Katan and the armor in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I hope it leads that way. I mean, I don't, but I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even think about the fact that he, he probably didn't see it. I think that was almost more of a cliffhanger than anything was like, well, did he actually see it or did he not see it? Cause obviously when they got to the surface of the water, and they broke the plane. They just flew out onto the stairs, and immediately he's like coughing. So, you, like you can hear him coughing up water. They're both kind of struggling to breathe because they were underwater and um, for an extended period of time. But the question is, did he see it or did he not see it? Like, was he passed out and completely missed it, and she saw it, or or what? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I definitely think you're right. Even prior to the Mythosaur, everything that he has said and done to this point in trying to complete his mission to going down and getting into the living waters, um, you know, teaching Grogu the ways of the Mandalore, um, talking about her father, basically, you know, recognizing his death uh, for the better, greater cause of Mandalore w- was the way like that was an honorable, noble thing to do. And this guy's buying into it. it. I think you're right. I think 
he changed her mind a little bit even before she saw the mythosaur yeah. under there. Um, and I think just like in the crosshair in Bad Batch episode, the breaking point was this dude, you know, took his cloak off, took his blasters out, started dropping all of this gear and just started wading into the waters, reciting the creed, much like we saw in the first episode with the boy in the water getting his initiation. And she's going, dude, this guy's for real. Like, maybe that's maybe that's why the Darksaber doesn't work for him. Maybe it doesn't have to be fought for. Maybe it just needs to be handed off to from a previous leader to a true to somebody else. Right. And Din, I don't think, sees himself as that right now. And he doesn't want that, essentially, Um, at this point. Bo does, and that's why Bo is able to wield the Darksaber. Maybe she has to hand it off to him when he is a believer. And Bo's MO now is, you know, I got to get him to believe that he can lead Mandalore, and then that transition will work. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man, I tell you what, the Mandalorians are a very confusing, mystical people. But it is so fun to talk about. So fun. Anyway, anything else uh, you want to you wanna add to this episode? Anything else that um, caught your attention or that you loved? Or I don't know, man. I feel like we covered most of it, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like, I can't wait for the next one. I know. And I really <laughs> hope, I really hope that we get a Bo-Katan spinoff series of some sort. Ooh. That'd be really cool. And I honestly, um, I said, I, when I went and got my autograph from Katie Sackoff, you know, I said, I said, it's been so awesome to see you as Bo-Katan in live action. I hope you get your own show. And mm. she did that thing. She's like, well, I can't say. And I was like, I'm not trying to get a scoop. I'm just telling you that you're awesome. Like, <laughs> like, and more Bo-Katan on the screen is, is great. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I love the live action book. It's probably made, more so which than which made me feel animated. like it, it would it uh there was something to it because she auto, she like immediately went into like defense mode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know if we'll. I would love to see her own show. I don't know if she would get her own show, but I could definitely see her popping up in Ahsoka. Potentially, yeah. Um, I I don't see why that couldn't be a thing. Um. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, we got lots of good Star Wars content coming, though. I'm so excited. This was such a good episode. Um, ah, but that eyeball mech biologic is creepy, creepy, creepy. All right, well let's uh, let's wrap this thing up here and call it an evening. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. We hope you guys enjoyed the recap of episode two of season three of The Mandalorian, The Minds of Mandalore. And I got to say, last week when we were talking about this, Kyle was kind of right and we were kind of right because definitely when the episode rolls out, there was no title on this episode. Yeah. But later on, the title pops up, The Minds of Mandalore. So 
We were both, we were all right. We all win. Or we're all wrong. One of the two. Something. It's like a something like that. But yes. Um, yeah, it's weird. When they dropped, there was no title to it. And then I watched it and like went to turn it on and it was there. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, get out there. You can follow Outer Rim Beacon anywhere on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us, OuterRimBeacon at gmail.com. Don't forget... Anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, like, rate, subscribe, uh, recommend it to your friends and family. Hopefully we get them to tune in. We'd love to have more people listening. So, um, you know, we try to keep it pretty family friendly. So that's a plus. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoy the content that we give you. So my name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu. Josh, where are they going to find you? This is Josh. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Battle of Tanab and follow my band at Former Critics on all social media as well. He's got a couple gigs in Columbus. Man, like full tour schedules there, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we have a we have a full East Coast tour coming up, and we're swinging through Columbus on our way out. So you don't have any excuse to not uh, come this time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, go check them out. Go check them out. Enjoy. Um, hope you guys have a great week. Get out, do something Star Warsy. It's cold here in the Midwest. It was a crazy mixed weather day. It was brutal, but you know what? I'm looking forward to Wednesday already. May the Force be with you. Oh yeah, brother. This is Doctor Hemlock, brother. It's the wrong show, Josh. Get it right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is the Mythosaur, brother. You thought I was dead. <laughs> They're like Undertaker music. <laughs> the rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated, brother. Everybody have a great week. <laughs>